0: I remember the first time I ever prayed a circle prayer. It was in 1988, in the winter of 1988, real early. Karen and I and the kids had just moved from western Pennsylvania to Westerville uh, on behalf of our denomination to plant a church in Westerville. Now, we had never done that before, and as it was, the denomination hadn't done that in a really long time. So we were kind of pioneering something that we didn't really know too much about. But we were following our sense of the Lord's leading. And you know, you move five kids and a couple of station wagons. We had, both of them had wood sides. I remember when our kids turned teenagers, they said, Dad, you do know they don't make cars out of wood, right? Is it possible we could get something else? And uh, I remember laying in bed one night, and we were just getting started in planting this church in Westerville. And we were just getting going, and I was laying in bed, and I was kind of half thinking, half praying. Anybody know that place? And uh, I was kind of listening to the Lord about, what should we do? I mean, I've been to a couple seminars, I've read a stack of books, and I'm really about evangelism. How do? What do we do? And um, I was just starting to hear the voice of the Lord inside me then. I didn't know that was a thing. And I was just starting to discern between the voice of the Lord and my own thoughts. And this voice of the Lord thought came, or the voice of the Lord just came flooding into my thoughts and said, uh, get up. And uh, I want you to march around your house seven times and declare my protection over your family and i was a little stunned by that and I, I i you know i got it because we'd already encountered when whenever you follow the lord and whatever he says next you're going to encounter the enemy we we're already encountering opposition and he said he said a second time he said i want you to I want you to get up and i want you to march around your house seven times and declare my protection over your family and i said what <laughs> cuz it just sounded bizarre and um, so as I was laying there, he didn't say it a third time, and so I chose a different tact. I said, why? And he didn't say anything. Nothing else came. But that command laid over my body like it was a cloud in the bedroom. I already told you what to do. You know, Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That when the Lord gives you a command and you're kind of trying to work it out or... And it's like, and so I was glad that it was like 1 or 2 in the morning and that most of our new friends' neighbors were asleep because I got up and I went out. And seven times I walked around our property rather boldly declaring the protection of the Lord over our place. Circles. Circles circles i I've been praying in circles for ever since. <laughs> Our house in Westerville that we bought after we rented that house for a year, and the Lord blessed us with a fine ministry and um the house that we bought had was set up so that there was a circle of halls around this like the staircase and the downstairs bathroom you know so i I don't know how many thousands of times I would get up at five o'clock in the morning before the people, the humans, started moving upstairs, you know, just so I could pray. And I I don't know how many thousands of times. I don't know. I prayed a lot of circle prayers. Some of you remember the building we had on Demarest Road on our way here and that, that sanctuary. I don't know how many times I walked around those great chairs, Pat, you know, just praying and praying and praying. But it was a circle prayer. I didn't realize. It. It's just I'm a kinetic prayer. Anybody, you know, you've got to move. If you sit, you fall asleep, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to move. Some of us are just wired that way. I remember one night, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and I was getting a little better at hearing his voice, and we were still living in Westerville. We had the white building there, and the Lord woke me up and he said, uh, I want you to get up and pray for the whole church. We were like three or 400 people at that time, and so I I, I kind of argued with him for a while, and then I got up, and I started, I got in my car, and I thought, well, I'm going to do this at, in the building, because then I can really, you know, kind of get loud and stuff, and so I was on my way down, and many of you will remember that Denny Tatman was on our staff then. He's since then gone to plant, and now the senior pastor of a wonderful ministry in Madison County called the Madison County Vineyard. And uh a great brother in the Lord, and he was on our staff at the time. And uh, so I was driving down, it was 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and I thought, if I've got to be up, Denny's got to be up. And so I called him <laughs> in the middle of the night, and I said, I said hey, Denny, and I, I fudged a little on this. I said, the Lord's called us to pray for the church. And he's like, "All right, I'll be over there and so and we sort of spaced around it, and we just took a directory, and we just like traded and we went through the whole thing, all however many families that was, and just prayed for every family. It took all night, but we prayed circles, well, we did it, both of us around the outside, countless prayer meetings we've had in this room, especially in the earlier days of being in this building. Some of you will remember 70, 80 people at those prayer meetings, remember? And at the end, I'd always have you all, like, clump up as a flock, and I and the elders would just, remember, Don? We'd just walk around the outside of them, and we'd just pray for them. We were sheepdogs. In this place, I don't know how many thousands of times I've lapped this place just praying. Walking the hallways is another favorite thing to do. You know, when I'm here by myself early in the morning... I like to put my guitar on and just walk around and praise the Lord. Just sing worship to the Lord and let my prayers just flow out. And uh, I think maybe you've heard me once or twice talk about walking the wall around the trail around our 18 acres here. You know, there's a trail around there that is sacred to me. It's a place where over the years I've just learned to recognize the Lord. And to just walk around and just pray, pray, pray. So that there's actually a definition on this place. There's actually a definition on this place of, of God's presence and his will and his power. So I've been praying circles for a long time, and imagine my surprise when Carl Weidman texted me a few months ago and said, hey, Tom, have you read the book called The Circle Maker? And I said, no, I, I hadn't, but I'd read it. And uh, first of all, you're wondering, well, who's Carl Weidman, and why would you read a book that he recommends? Well, who is Carl Weidman, and of what use is he? That's a question many of us have been asking for many years here at the church. But Carl is a brother in the Lord here in the church, is a passionate follower of Jesus. When we found each other 15 years ago or so, he was in a state of serious transition in his personal life. And uh, the Lord blessed us with him, and I hope him with us. And we've just seen him mature and develop into a remarkable man of God. Now I'm married with two beautiful daughters, and he lives around the corner from us, and one day he he called me, and he said, you know that I can see your house from my bathroom window. <laughs> I didn't want to know any more. <laughs> but this book by Mark Batterson, the circle maker, he talks about defining space in prayer, and actually like drawing circles around things that you're going to c- kind of claim in prayer for the Lord Jesus, and um, the book inspired me because, in, uh, you know, I, it's, it, I read it and I thought, that's exactly what I've been doing for like 25 or 30 years. And I like, I like don't you, to find that somebody has taken the trouble to give words to something. It kind of validates you, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Does anybody know what I mean? And so that happened. But the book also kind of frustrated me because I'm like, dang, I could have written that book. <laughs> I, I really could have written that book and maybe better, you know. So it was kind of a tension. But, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I never even thought about the fact that I was a circle prayer until I read the book. I never really thought about it. But today I bring as the fourth in a six-part series called A Better Way to Pray, a teaching entitled Circle Prayer. And so far in the series, I've tried to persuade you that the first step in vitalizing your prayer life is to embrace your place as a son or daughter of the living God. You've got to get that. You're not beggars. You're not soldiers. You're sons. You're daughters of the living God through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That changes everything. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that you have a place. You have a place in heaven. Seated in the heavenly realms. Second, I ask you to... The second teaching, to know that your prayer account is fully prepaid by what Jesus did for us. You've got cabinets full of stuff in heaven, and prayer is not about getting God to do something he hasn't already done, but it's about inviting the Holy Spirit to show you the way to the place. That my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. That's a lot of stuff by Christ, in Christ Jesus. And then last week, I really wanted to persuade you to let Jesus do all the mediation for you. The Bible says there's only one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Jesus Christ. And so that your role as a prayer is not to stand between people and God. Your role as a prayer is to bring people and the issues of your life, the concerns of your life, the things that are important to the foot of the cross, and let Jesus Christ intercede for you. Takes the pressure off. But today I'd like to talk about circle prayers. What is a circle prayer you ask? That's a good question. Thanks for asking it. Circle prayer is the practice of envisioning a circle of spiritual influence that you consider by faith to be yours. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Harry? It's like marking out a circle and going, this space is mine. These people are mine. And it's an act of faith. It's a simple envisioning exercise. It's not mystical. It's just a way to focus your attention. I have some scripture that I think supports it. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The context of this is pretty obvious to those of you who have read the Bible much at all, is that uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that's all about the beginnings of things, and then takes us all the way to the place that the Israelites were on the edge of the Red Sea and about to cross over into the Promised Land. It's a big moment. And Moses has just died. Moses, who led these Israelites, uh, was not allowed to go into the Promised Land, and that might sound heartbreaking to you, but I think after 40 years of leading these murmuring Israelites, it probably seemed like a blessing to him that, I mean, he got to go to heaven, Hello? Heaven, promised land, heaven, promised land, with the murmuring Israelites. I'm ready, Lord. He's 120, he's ready, right? And so this is the context, and he's died, and Joshua has come up to succeed him. And after the death of Moses, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead." Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. And check verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I will give you every place where you set your foot. If you mark it out, it will be yours, he said. Are you getting what I'm feeling here? I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, I will fulfill, he's saying, my promise through you. Your territory, this is where he wants him to set his feet. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Wouldn't you love to hear the Lord say that? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's cool. And i just like to serve as a a basis for the practice that I'm recommending to you, that that God said to Joshua, I'm going to bless your feet. If you walk around it, it'll be yours. And there's something there for us. There's something there for us to say, you mean I could walk around something, I could define it as something that I am walking around by faith, and something could happen, and I'm saying yes. I'm saying accidentally I've learned that. It's taken me 28 years to learn it, but I accidentally I've learned it just by naturally, organically, in my relationship with the Lord, Walk in lots of circles. The fact that you are in this room right now is evidence of its fruitfulness. I walked this, walked this, walked this before you were here. There's something to this here for us. There's something for you. And I hope some of you have some bells going off in your head, going, Tom, aren't you developing a doctrine from a narrative passage? Something I have cautioned you not to do? Because I just read, you know, this thing happened, and now I'm saying, okay, now do this because it's there in the Bible. And I've told you, be careful. Don't say that, you know, because Jesus walked on water, which is a narrative, the account of Jesus walking on water, that it's doctrinally true that every believer ought to be able to walk on water. And if you can't walk on water, there's something secondary about you. That's not true, is it? And so let me just quickly differentiate between what is a doctrine, what is a principle, and what is a practice. A doctrine is something that is always true. A doctrine is something that's always true. So our doctrine of salvation, for example, we, like so many, 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 many other churches and movements, say that we are saved how? By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's what we say? That's a doctrine. That's something that we say is always true. That we can't exclude ourselves from that and going, I'm getting my salvation another way, I've got a different plan. But a doctrine, of which there are only a few essential doctrines, is something that is always true. One of our doctrines is that we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That's a doctrine. We're saying it's always the inspired word of God. Whether it's comfortable or whether it's uncomfortable, it's still the inspired word of God. Deal with it. That's a fact Jack. right? So that's what a doctrine is. A doctrine is something that is always true. There are no exceptions. A principle, by contrast, is something that is generally true. It's worth noting. It's worth applying, but may have exceptions. It may have exceptions. And so when you read some narrative passage of Scripture and see that, you know, God heals the sick, that by principle, we're saying we want to pray for every sick person and believe that they will be well. We don't shrink back from that in spite of the fact that we have a mixed track record. It is not a doctrine, but it is a principle that we have found for reasons that we are still exploring have exceptions. Does that make sense? Now, practices, on the other hand, are things that seem, as Acts 15, 28 says, seem right to us in the Holy Spirit, but they're completely temporary. So our practice is to have a band with drums and lead guitar and distortion and rock and roll and... Ooh, yeah. That's our practice. It's not doctrinal. It's not even a principle. We're saying what seems right to us as believing men and women, and what seems right to us in the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the kind of people that we feel called to reach, that this is the way we want to set a table of worship so that you can have a chance to connect with God. This doesn't work for everybody. Some people come and go, and they will reject us because of our practice. That's all right. That's perfectly okay. Okay. Because in reality, there are 17 other churches very close to us, each of which shares the essential doctrines, but has different practices. So I would never judge another church by its practices. Would you? I mean, we need all the practices, don't we? What we rejoice in is the fact that we are united by the same essential fundamental belief that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and rose victoriously from the grave and sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. These are doctrines. And we will not negotiate them. So when I'm talking about here, circle prayers, I'm not making a doctrine. If Some of you are going to come back and say, I'm a square prayer. I don't know, I'm a line prayer. I don't know what you're going to say. I'm just saying, here's something for you to try. Do I have have New Testament support for this, since I make such a big fuss about praying from a New Testament model? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To do what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Check your maps. Circle prayer. It's something that I think some of you will find benefit in. Three things you should know quickly about circle praying. One, circle praying is envisioning a place in the kingdom realm that is directly under the fountain of God's blessing. Circle praying is envisioning a circle that by faith you can envision that there is a blessing of God already pouring out on that place. And so your role as a prayer is how can I get that person into my circle? How can I get that prayer concern by faith into the circle where the blessing of God is already pouring out? It stems from the confident belief that God wants to bless you. God doesn't want to curse you. Did you know that? Would you get off that? God doesn't want to curse you. People don't, people don't have children to curse them. They have children to bless them. I mean, to have a child to curse that child, that's messed up, Yeah? God isn't messed up. God doesn't have children so that he can just increase his disappointment. God God has children to bless you. His intention is to bless you. He has brought you to to being, and now he has brought you into spiritual reality in the family of God through his son, Jesus Christ, for what purpose? To bless you. There's a place of blessing somewhere for you. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that prayer is about finding that spot. Where the shower is, as you, my Pentecostal friends, I still don't understand you, but as my Pentecostal friends say, under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> they get that, you get that. But there's a place, isn't there, where God's already raining down blessing. So first of all, it's, it's using your mind, your mental capacity to envision a place that is under the shower of God's blessing. Second, circle praying is defining a place by faith that is under the full influence of the cross of Jesus Christ. Under the full influence of the cross of Jesus Christ. So, your, your world, is, your life is broad and varied, isn't it? You've got a lot of things going on in different places. And have you noticed that some of it you seem to be able to influence with the cross, with the gospel, with the power of God other parts of it seem resistant uh, to to that. The circle that I'm talking about envisioning is a place where you're able to focus the power of the cross on it so that, that there's the, the power of the cross falls fully on everything that you by faith can bring into that circle. Does that make sense? So it's like the difference between carrying a magnifying glass around and using it like this, or, as some of us love to do as kids, is to focus, focus the power onto something. And so you're focusing the power by faith of the cross of Jesus Christ on to the stuff, the people, the concepts, the issues that you find to put in your circle. There's a great old hymn of the church called Beneath the Cross of Jesus, and reading through that, I was just overwhelmed again by the fact that This stuff isn't new. That The whole concept of prayer for believers for centuries, maybe forever, has been to bring bring our concerns, our issues beneath the cross of Jesus. And and you have authority to do that. You have authority to do that. Third, circle praying is about marking out a place of domination over Satan. Did you hear that? Circle praying is about marking out a place of domination over Satan over Satan. Uh, At the center of the Christian story is an ongoing battle, isn't there? Uh, It's not a dualism. A dualism, by definition, is uh, a war between two equal and opposite powers. That is not true. If you've been reading your Bible, you know that that is not what's going on here. Because God and Satan are not equal opposite powers, because Satan is a created being. Satan 's days are numbered, God has authority over Satan, and so it 's not a dualism, but it has as its nature it has a dualistic nature doesn 't it and so what 's being offered to us is that though though Satan is is exponentially or infinitely lower than God, however you want to think about that, that we as created human beings without Christ are lower than that, and so that Satan has a natural dominion in the world a natural domination in the world yes and you experience that but the reality is is that because of what jesus christ did for us on the cross he's inviting you to come from here to here with him where you by faith can receive his authority to dominate satan that's what he's calling you to do that's what he's inviting you to do in all of its forms That it's not you doing it, it's Christ doing it. But you got to take your seat at the table if you're going to do it. And I see a lot of believers just kind of living down here. Yeah, I trusted Jesus as my Savior when I was seven. I'm just waiting them out. I'm just doing the best I can. And it's not only that some days are better than others. Some days are terrible, aren't they? And you feel still under the dominion of Satan. And the reality is you are being invited by God up here. You are being invited by God to have a new identity, a new creation in Christ, where you can have dominion, you can dominate over Satan, and you can say, you can't touch this, this is mine. In the name of Jesus, what's in this circle you can't have? Yeah. That's what this is about. Now, you've got to be careful, because you can't do that with the whole world, can you? But you can do it with the stuff that God has. And God called Joshua. He said, I want you to mark this out and say, you can't touch this. This is, this is God's. And it's a better way to pray. It's declaring a circle of absolute victory. In the 16th century, reformer John Knox stood above Scotland. And you know all the stuff from Germany and Switzerland was coming his way. And the revival of God in the midst of that. Amazing time in church history. And it was illegal for him to do so to preach these things that he was preaching that were coming out of the Reformation. And in 1525 he stood there, he stood over Scotland and he said, God, give me Scotland or I die. He marked a circle around Scotland. And that was the beginning of the Presbyterian Church. There's truth to this. So the question is pretty obvious, isn't it? What's in your circle? I want you to think carefully. And I want some of you, I want those of you who are stirred by this, interested in this, this week I want you to define your circle. I want you to, I want you to have a place in your, there's a place in my house. And I'll talk more about this next week, the practical aspects of this. But there's a place in my house in my living room. I get up early and I, I pray, I meet, I meet the the, the Lord and the Word right after I press the button on the coffee pot, and then I, and then I circle pray. And I, I have a place in my living room. There's not really a circle there, but I can see a circle there. And the cross is over it, and the spout is over it. And my, my role as a prayer every day is to put people and issues into the circle. For people like me, and many of you are like this, who are visualizers, you know, this is a really helpful thing. So I want, you to, I want you to give some thought to that this week. What's in my circle? And you've you got to be careful. I want you to start small. Because what you'll find is that, and I'll teach on this next week, is that there, what you put in your circle, you have to be willing to do two things. You have to be willing to serve what's in your circle... And you have to be willing to defend what's in your circle. You have, whatever you put in your circle is so important to you that you're willing to defend it or defend them. It, you wouldn't put a circle, person in your circle that you weren't willing to take a bullet for. And when you do that, and you encourage that welling up of faith inside of you where you, says, you, can't, you say you can't touch this. You'll see the victory. But start small. Just experiment this week. Start small. Who is the most important person in your life? Put them in the circle. Pray a circle around them this week. And you can expand it and expand it and expand it as the Lord leads. The Lord didn't call all of us to walk all around Israel, but he called Joshua. The Lord will lead you to the size of your circle. But let me tell you this. It's a lot easier to expand it than it is to shrink it. So just start this week. Who's the most important person in my life? I'm going to put them under the cross, under the spout, and I'm going to just pray circles around them. And then just see what happens. Come next week, I'll tell you about serving that, whoever's in the circle, about how to defend them. Okay. I put in your programs today, a prayer request card. And I know we take them every week on the bigger card but I put a smaller one in this week because I want to offer to do something for you. I want to offer I want to offer to pray for you. I can't believe I'm saying this especially given the response at the 9 o'clock service but (laughs) I want to offer to pray for whatever you put in my circle. This is my circle. You can't touch this. And I can't pray for all of you all week, because as hard as it may be for you to believe I do other stuff like all week long. I don't just work on Sundays. But this week I feel led to say, if you put it in this circle, I will pray for you. And I pray for, you know, the cards and stuff that come in, but We're talking about hundreds of them this week. I will find a way and find time to pray for you. Now, get this. My prayers are no better than yours or anybody else's. But if you want me as your brother, I'm not your priest, never will be, but as your brother, if you want this brother to pray for you, then fill out that card, and sometime between now and when you go home, just toss it in the circle here and we'll collect them all, and I'll get along with the Lord this week. And I'll pray through with every one of them until I get released to go on to the next one. <laughs> Lord in heaven, we're your sons, we're your daughters, and we're so grateful for that. There's no, nothing that could be better than the knowledge that your blood has somehow come to run through our veins. There's nothing that could be greater than the understanding that you you are uh, you're making a a space for us that we don't have to worry about eternity that you've you've finished all of that for us but also Lord while we're here we want to we want to take some ground for you we want to we want to make some circles we want to however a person would say this if they'd say it in a different way that's great Lord but I just pray that this teaching and the concept of defining Focal point of prayer would fall on the hearts that it's meant to fall on Lord, and it would bless everybody somehow, but wouldn't discourage a single person. I just pray, Father that as we um, spend some time together, just worshiping you for a few more minutes and responding to your presence, that your holy Spirit will be here to fully take control. I pray Father, for those people who are in this room right now who Need prayer and need somebody just to come beside them and pray for them, Lord. And maybe they're at a place where they're ready to receive Christ as their Savior. Maybe they're at a just something really big is going on in their life and they just can't bear it anymore. Uh, would you just draw them up to these people who will come forward to pray? And and I pray for those who are going to be praying for others, Lord. I pray Your blessing, Your anointing on them. I pray that You'll give them those eyes that see what You're doing, so that they can pray. Faith-filled kingdom prayers for the people who come to their care today. Lord, I, I, I just thank you for this church and for the freedom of it. And I thank you for every person that you have drawn into this circle today. I know that it is by intention that you have drawn them inside the walls of this place. And so we invite you to come and to move among us in ways that we just maybe never even could have imagined. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, so could we get some prayer ministry people to come on up and take your places up on the sides, be used by God to pray for some people who would like to have prayer? And uh, if you're here today and you'd like to receive prayer for anything at all, you can come up and these people will, will just gently and lovingly pray with you, okay? And as we... Worship the Lord if you want to bring cards up and stuff and put them in the circle. Then uh, feel free to do that also, okay? Why don't we stand together, church, please?